very special guest on the podcast, a UFC ultimate fighter contender turned UFC flyweight, the woman's flyweight, uh, t- well, she's tied, I should, I should specify, she's tied for most wins, the record holder for most flyweight stoppages, submissions, and not to mention, the, she's tied for the most UFC overall flyweight fights, Jillian the Savage Robertson. Boom. <laughs> A little tongue-tied, a little tongue-tied, but hey, we got it out there. Still lived up to the hype. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us. You were just saying before we started here that uh, you literally just got off the mats, so we're super thankful that you're taking time out of your day to talk to us. Um, I, and like I said before, I feel like I know you already, but it's strictly the Niagara region connection. So, like, the first kind of thing I want to ask is, I know you moved to Florida when you were still kind of younger, but in the falls, you kind of grew up. When did you make the move? Uh, I made the move when I was about seven years old. It was just my parents' oh, wow. decision. But um, my grandparents still live up in it. Uh, I have one set of grandparents uh, who used to live in Niagara Falls and another set who lives in St. Catharines. Oh, so, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've always went back to visit all through childhood. Yeah, it's well, that's pretty cool that you moved over at seven and that you still like rep the Canadian flag when you fight. Because I mean, for the most part, like you've lived most of your life over in Florida. So that's pretty cool that you still do that. No matter what, uh, Canada still just feels like home to me. No, yeah. uh, going back there, it's, uh, it's a different feeling just being there. Yeah, for sure. There's something about the Niagara region too. Uh, uh, 100%. Yeah, as soon as you like get into St. Catharines on the Skyway, there's like a little feeling there. Um, a little twinkle. Oh, yeah, a little twinkle. Yeah. Fort Erie is like going home to Fort Erie is like Disneyland. But um, <laughs> I was seriously just about to say that. Like oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, I've seen you, like, I've done a ton of research these last couple of days. So hopefully these questions are pretty good too. But I, I saw you say in a few interviews that you didn't play sports as a kid. So what gave you the idea to start kickboxing? Uh, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I really don't know what put it in my head in the first place. I, uh, yeah, I was just 16 years old, and for some reason, I I asked my dad like I wanted to do kickboxing. And at first, he found one school that wasn't in the greatest area, and he didn't really want me going there. So then uh, he looked around a little bit more, and it was actually one of uh, a guy who worked for him. My dad was manager at the Humane Society, so it was a guy who oh, worked cute. at the Humane Society. Was also a pro fighter at one of Dean's schools. Oh, really? So, yeah, so uh, he ended up just sending me there for my cardio kickboxing classes. And, uh, yeah, it was the right place to start for me. I guess so. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Now, because you kind of got into sports, like, like mid- into your, like, mid-teens, 16, like you said, did you find it was tough to kind of develop, like, a drive to want to win? Like, kids who normally start in, like, soccer at the age of four have kind of grown up with sports, but you kind of getting into it a little later, was it tough to find that drive? Um, I guess it's always, to, it's still my motivation is just the love for the sport, and yeah. it always has been. It's just, I, I love performing, I love going out there and doing it, so... Uh, it's not necessarily about the win or the lose. Obviously, I'm going for the kill when I'm in there. But, yeah, um, most most wins, most stoppages. But, uh, yeah, it's just about going and performing to my best ability. And uh, I know when I do go out there and perform to my best ability that I can uh, stop any of these girls. Yeah, well, you've definitely proven that. That's so sweet. Um, so you you have, like, the, I'm sure, I think Florida, you're not allowed to start fighting till you're 18 amateur, right? 
Correct. Yes. So I, th- I think I, re- I saw somewhere that you jumped right in at 18 and then you kind of have this like great amateur career. Now I've seen two things that you, one, you went nine and one and one, you went nine and two. It doesn't matter. You, you had a great little amateur career. What was the decision that made you want to jump pro? Like, when did you think like I could do this full time and be really good at it? Uh, I guess near the end of my amateur career, uh, Dean started working down in Co- at ATT Coconut Creek a little bit more. Right. And uh, so he started bringing me down there and I got to work with girls like Tisha Torres and Alex Chambers and uh, Jessica Aguilar, who uh, they were all either in the UFC. Like I know they just opened the Tough House. So it was like Alex yeah. Chambers and Tisha were both in that. And um, Jessica Aguilar was the WSOF champ. So it was all very high level girls and I was able to either like like hang with them you know like I was able to um like fight at their level and uh, train at their level so uh just doing that as a high level amateur I knew that I could handle anybody at a pro level I'm glad you brought up ATT because you literally those are my next two questions Mm -hmm. so being at ATT for like you know most of your career like up until recently um how important was it like being in a gym with like legit killers Oh, it definitely shows you a different mindset and it shows yeah. you uh, what it takes to be a champion, especially working with uh, girls like Amanda Nunes or uh, Joanna and Jacek. You see yeah. uh, just the mentality that it takes and you realize there's levels to this, you know? Sometimes, yeah, for sure. Uh, you start killing it on the amateur scene or on the home scene. You think you're the big dog around, but then you realize that there, there's a bigger dog out there sometimes. Yeah, for real. And with like Joanna, like, I think she had a fight up at flyweight. So, I mean, like, it just shows that you know your gym was just full of absolute killers and like the mindset like watching somebody like i would assume like an amanda nunez like that just that must have been so cool but uh being at att do you think that gave you any like advantages in your career like when you were first starting out like do you think being at a big gym like that helped you get into the tough house and like all that sort of stuff i uh, not necessarily. I feel like it, it was uh, uh, more my skill than anything else. It was my uh, abilities, and yeah. uh, I, I attribute a lot of that to Dean. Like When I was an amateur, he took me under his wing a lot and uh, just spent hours in the gym with me, drilling with me. And Like I said, I was an amateur. I wasn't making any money. Like There's no reason that he had to do that. But <laughs> he was putting his time right. with me, and uh, those investments obviously paid off and uh, took me as far as he has today. <laughs> Well, I know, and I mean, uh, I don't want to touch on this too, too much, but he's recently left ATT, and I think you were, like, the first fighter to say, okay, I'm I'm sticking with Dean. That's my that's my guy. He's gotten me this far. We're going to ride and die together. So that's pretty sweet. Um, when you first turned pro, like, was it a tough decision, like, knowing that there wasn't even, like, a flyweight division in the UFC? Like, was that something that you kind of had to wrap your head around? Like, I might have to kind of fight at a different weight class that maybe isn't comfortable for you uh when i first turned pro it was actually i i fought at 115 at that point i was uh, okay so you were straw you went you were in straw weight okay yeah uh my first fight in the tough house was my first fight ever at 125 and oh whoa uh, way to just throw it in there oh oh yeah i got the invicta 125 pound champ barb honchak for my first fight ever at 125 (laughs) so uh, it was definitely a big step up there yeah when you like when you make the cut you get onto the ultimate fighter it's obviously like a pretty big deal and especially like early on in your career still um was it kind was there like ever a moment of comfort though thinking like you know what like 
they're opening this division with the show. I'm I'm by making the show, I'm pretty much almost guaranteed a UFC contract to some extent. Was there ever that moment of comfort or was it like I want to win and I need to be the best? Uh yeah, it's always I want to be the best. After yeah. after I I think I fought like 2 or 3 weeks in and we were stuck in the house for 6 weeks. Yeah. So, uh after that point, after you lose your fight, then I guess that that feeling of comfort did kind of set in. I'm like, all right, well, at least I pro- I still have a chance, you know, like we're still starting yeah. the division. I can still uh, really like represent myself in the UFC and the uh, tough finale. And I still have an opportunity, but um, yeah, going in the tough house originally, I wanted that belt. Yeah. And you definitely made the most of your uh, tough finale debut. Um, okay. I was doing when I was doing research today. I came across maybe the coolest story that's ever going to be told on this podcast. Please tell us your Snoop Dogg story. <laughs> so uh, when we were in the Tough House, uh, we got to go see the Contender Series like every week. It was like our little like field trip, our adventure. Yeah. yeah, that was all we were allowed to do. That was our only time to get out of the house. So um, Snoop Dogg had his podcast with Uriah Favor at the time and uh, talking about the contender series so they had a little like room upstairs so uh i asked the the publicist of the ufc i was like what are the chances that we can meet snoop dogg and she's like oh let me go ask dana so she went and asked dana and then dana came over a couple minutes later and he's like oh so i hear you girls want to meet snoop dogg and he takes us up to the uh, podcast studio oh that's so sick so uh yeah all the girls are going up there and then uh some of the girls are like oh it smells good up here like the whole back room like <laughs> warm-up rooms for the contender series fighters just smell like straight dank <laughs> <laughs> and uh one of the girls is like oh it smells good up here and he's like oh you guys think it smells good up here you should smell my trailer so, oh, Uncle Snoop! Us, yeah, all of us got to go down to the trailer, and uh, he just starts pulling out like blunts, like this big. Oh my and, god! Um, the our producer for the tough show comes in, and he was like, "No, no, we can't be doing this." And Snoop was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Snoop's bodyguard pushes our producer out of the trailer, and then oh. we were able to sit there and just chill and smoke blunts with Snoop for like thirty oh minutes. Oh my good, that is like that might. That's be your the- dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have no idea. Like I was sitting there, it didn't feel like real life to me. I'm like, this is a dream come true. And then we walk out of the trailer, and all our producers are standing there, just like with their arms crossed. Like, <laughs> but like, what are they gonna do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they were just mad at us at that point. <laughs> well, they were just jealous. I mean, exactly. if Snoop Dogg pulls you aside and says, "Hey, like, yeah. you're, no one's gonna say no." Even if you don't smoke, you're, you have to. It's mandatory. Now you're a very big, um, like, cannabis activist too. I noticed that on your page a lot. I think you even have a deal with like a CBD company, or did at one point. Um, well, uh, so- yeah, actually, I have a deal with a it's a medical cannabis company, uh, Vitacan. Plug it. Plug it. <laughs> Vitacan, they're uh, medical cannabis in Florida, and uh, yeah, I've been a patient uh, in Florida for over a year and a half now. And and you do you find, I mean, a lot of people. Um, I, I I took jujitsu for a little. Uh, I didn't even get my belt, so I don't even really say that I did that. But um, do you find some people find it like opens up their creativity? Sometimes they do it beforehand or or during or after for recovery. Um, what like do you enjoy doing it before after like what's your what do you kind of what do you enjoy with it 
I think you need a little bit of both. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, obviously, like, before, it definitely helps you with creativity. And then also, like, so many people beginning jujitsu are so tense and are trying to uh, fight too hard almost in situations where it'll make you relax a little bit and think through things. And, uh, like you said, makes more creative. And then, obviously, for healing after. Yeah, like, for sure. Uh, definitely. Just everything. <laughs> now, with USADA and all that sort of stuff. I know like they do test for it, but it's just long, as long as you're not in competition, right? Correct. And uh, our, but in competition is uh, 12 hours before weigh-ins and then as soon as you take your post-fight drug test. Okay, so, so here's the- So it's a two-day period. <laughs> okay, but like, let's say you did it prior to that, tw- that two-day period and it's still in your system. Like, do you have to do a bit of a detox like before the test or no? Uh, yeah, you're allowed to have a certain uh, level in your system depending on what state you fight in. So okay. uh, I know that like Vegas, you're allowed to have a lot in your system where like if you fight in New York, it has to be zero. So oh, wow. I'm hoping to never fight New York. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's kind of an interesting thing to keep track of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, but like I said, states like Vegas, like I've stopped smoking like five days before my fight and it's been fine. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, that's that's pretty sweet. Um, I was kind of hoping maybe we could get a quick little uh, snippet of Rob the dog. Uh, Is he I, around? No, I'm not. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. For those for those who don't know, Jillian has maybe the cutest dog on Instagram, and uh, I'm definitely a big fan because in Canada we can't have. I, I'm assuming he's a he or she's a pit bull. Yeah, he's a pit mix. Yeah, so we can't have those over here. So every time I see one, it's just like, oh, my God, you are the most beautiful, cutest dog. And his big smile is so cute. Yeah, he's the best dog I've ever had. I adopted him from the Humane Society when he was uh, probably about six or seven years old, they estimated. And, uh, yeah, he's just my best friend. I've had him for about five years now. Well, hopefully you get some more fights and we get him a big backyard. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> um, you've been on some like big UFC cards like UFC 240 and then you've also been on some fight nights can you kind of talk about the difference seeing like what like, I'm assuming most of the difference would be media but is there a lot of difference between the two uh, I guess it, dep- it depends on what point you are on the card so okay. it's like I've only been on the uh, prelims I think like once or twice in the main card once and other than right. that I've been on fight pass prelims so uh, if you're on fight pass prelims the media doesn't really care about you too much so, <laughs> uh, your week's pretty open up there but uh, the higher you up on the card like if, um, if you're on the prelims main card then I feel like the people want to talk to you a little bit more and uh, you got a little bit more attention you're a little bit busier through fight week uh, yeah but there's no real difference between like the UFC 240 versus the fight nights I feel like they're all constructed the same and it was just I guess the names on the card you see a little bit uh, bigger names a fangirl a little bit you know <laughs> yeah well that that's something too like um, I mean you kind of got into it so fast and the fighters that you would have grown up watching are in this now you're fighting on the same card of them like 240 I'm pretty sure it was Holloway Edgar so, yes. I mean, to, to fight on the same card as, like, Max Holloway, some, some you know, definitely say he's the best featherweight of all time. That must be, like, pretty surreal. Oh, yeah. No, I the first day there in Canada, it was in Edmonton, and I got in the elevator, and Max was there, and I just got all my Reebok stuff. He's like, oh, they're giving everybody the cool Reebok shoes. And I was like, thanks, Max. 
<laughs> was little blessed with them uh not at that time no but i'm oh that would have been pretty fresh. cool that would have been pretty cool um and like yeah because i mean you all i think you were also on the till thompson card too right uh correct yeah that was my first like i consider that my first real ufc fight that was a, like the tough house finale didn't really feel like a ufc right. fight that was the first time i had a fight kid and everything like that so uh That's yeah so that was that was my first real UFC fight to me. That's so cool. Um, so, I mean, obviously with your resume, I kind of ran through it. Now, I'm going to hype you up again because it's it's quite impressive. I mean, you're tied for the most UFC flyweight wins. You have the most stoppages in the flyweight division, the most submission, submissions in the flyweight division, and you're tied for the most fights. Every fight, I'm sure you don't want it to go to the judges, but but you actually get that done. Is that just a mentality thing? Like, do you just go in there and say, there's absolutely no way that, like, we're coming out of this cage at the end of the three rounds? Right. Um, I, it's like, we don't get paid by the minute, you know? I'm trying to get in <laughs> as quick as possible. Uh, my, my coach, he just, he expects me to go in there and uh, either try to finish you or uh, he's like, the only possibility is you're going to run out of time and be like, dang, I, 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 like, I just beat you up for 15 minutes. I didn't have yeah. enough time to finish you. But no matter yeah. what, we're going for the finish every single minute of the fight. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I think, was it your last fight? You kind of got it done right at the end of the third round there. So, so, I mean, you really, you really believe that. Um, how do you feel about the judges currently? There's been a lot of like crazy decisions. Is that something that worries you as a fighter? Um, not if you don't need them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess you don't. I guess we're talking to the right person, right? <laughs> uh, it's definitely something that's troubling. Like, like you said, there's a lot of crazy decisions lately yeah. where, uh, like, the Max Holloway decision. I know. I was just going to say Max got robbed. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of tough decisions, and especially at a high level with guys like that, it, you expect it to go to decision. You know, it's too technical to uh, with Volkanovski and Holloway. Like, yeah. it, um, you need judges who know more about the sport. You need judges who are... Uh, like retired fighters that hire some of them as judges because they actually know what they're talking about and they can uh, judge accordingly. Yeah, for sure. I, I think biased might be a little tough there. Like I think a lot of fighters stay in the industry, but you're totally right. There needs to be definitely more diversity on the judges panel. Um, you said that you got into kickboxing back when you were 16. Lately, I've noticed that like I think jujitsu has kind of become your your love and your passion. When did you like make that switch and jump into jujitsu with like two feet? Um. So. I, I started with the kickboxing at first and like two or three months later I did like a MMA class so we did one nogi day a week and one uh, striking day a week so okay. I, I, I kind of tiptoed with jiu-jitsu a little bit there and then about after a year of doing that uh, I got a gi for Christmas and once oh, I got cool. that gi for Christmas uh, I, I, I guess I felt obligated to use it I wasn't really interested <laughs> in gi before that and but once I started I fell in love you know like I guess it was just something that I was good at. Like I picked it up really quick. And then when I was like, I was like 115 pounds back then. And I was able to manhandle guys who were like 200 pounds. And I'm like, oh, right. okay, this is awesome. Like, this is really cool. <laughs> uh, um, I see some, like you do something that maybe a lot of UFC fighters almost don't take advantage of. But I see sometimes that you have like these, um, like jujitsu fights that aren't through the UFC. Is that something you do to stay sharp, 
do you find it helps your game and maybe even just gives you like more cage time? Uh, well, like you said, I, I didn't get into competition until later in my life. You know, I didn't right. start. Uh, I didn't start training till I was sixteen. I didn't start competing till I was eighteen. And um, yeah, a lot of these girls have been competing in martial arts since they're five years old. So I, yeah. I feel like I need to catch up a little bit and get a little bit more comfortable in front of crowds and being able to uh, be able to make decisions in front of a crowd and in a high pressure situation. So I try to put myself in those situations as often as possible. And not to mention put people to sleep. I saw you get a wicked, I forget what choke it was. It was like a head and arm triangle or something crazy. And you put this girl to sleep. It was awesome. Um, okay, so let's kind of talk about your last fight. Do you feel robbed? I mean, you you go in, the your opponent was ranked 15. You win the fight and you don't end up on the rankings? Yeah, um, I, I never, like, apparently they changed the rankings, like, four days before the fight, so I never realized that. I thought I was fighting a ranked opponent, but apparently she wasn't ranked when we fought. I was, so, that's BS. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Not to but, mention you get the finish. Oh, yeah, and this next one, uh, I need a, I need somebody with a number next to their name, no matter what. I need Okay, a, so we were, I was going to talk about that. So, I mean, I was taking a look at the rankings, and I think they have Macy Barber around 10. So, would anybody with a number, you don't, you're not going to discriminate. Would you like maybe even a rematch with Macy? Oh, 100%. I know uh, she's probably not ready to get back in there as soon as I am. I'm trying to get back in there as soon as possible. I know she just, she's coming off her knee surgery. And, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know how soon her recovery is going to be, but I, you know, as, soon as, as soon as possible, I want somebody with a number next to her name. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Um, like sometimes I'm in awe when I watch the sport. I think I get a little too into the Uncle Snoop's blunts. And like, what's it feel like the next day? Uh, the the next day is definitely rough. That's yeah. Rough yeah. Like, uh, like uh, I think I was reading that you had been like you know you had maybe even been TKO'd a little earlier on in your career, or maybe even Macy Barber, but like what's that feel like like i've never had the lights go out do you know what i mean that must kind of, like the next day you got to be sitting in a dark room like well uh yeah it's i guess mentally uh it, it's hurts more than anything else i've never taken any like real damage in a fight i've never had to okay. like never had a broken bone never had surgery or anything like that so wow that's kind of lucky Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I feel like my fighting style is fairly safe. I just I sit on top of people and punch them. I don't let them punch me in the face. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I uh, it's just the bumps and bruises the next day. But coming off of a loss mentally, that's that's the rough part, especially yeah. when you're seeing people every single day. Like I try to have short term memory. I try to get over it as soon as possible. Um, like sure. walking walking out of the cage like taking the steps out of the cage my coach dean came up to me he's like it's over and like that's all i thought since that point was it's over like get over it we have to stop thinking about it but then the next day you're hearing oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and it's like right you just you have to think about it for months now because everybody wants to talk about it to you and i feel like that's yeah. the hard part is trying to get back to normal life and just get on with your life because everybody just wants to talk about that moment <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, it's a good thing you're coming off a win because it is true. When you're winning, food tastes better, blunt smoke nicer. Like everything's everything's a little better. So I'm sure you're enjoying that. What's what's next? You say a ranked opponent, but like, do you want to get in there? Like, could you jump in short notice? Like, where are are you ready to go? 
Oh, yeah, I sit by the phone just waiting for the call constantly. Yeah. Uh, Dean's texting Mick every single day. Uh, we've had, <laughs> we've had a, um, two names that are offered and then things that haven't went through, and then now we have another name. We're waiting for her to get back on us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for things to uh, finally fall through. We've just had a lot of offers that haven't worked out. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I know you probably won't share the name, but does the name have a number? Uh, no, not the one that we have currently. We've, okay. I, I've had some opportunities with some that might have happened, and then they got matched with other people or things sure, happened. Sure. And it, yeah. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the weight cutting process. Do you cut a lot of weight personally? I would assume not, seeing as you used to fight down at 115, but like that's something I've never been able to wrap my head around. What, like, you watch these videos online, I think it was of Cyborg of her sitting in the tub like crying and it was like oh my god like you know the the stress that that must put on the body do you cut a lot of weight uh well when i was young, when i uh i fought 115 i was walking like 115 i was just young back then and then uh once i grew up i feel like once i turned like 21 22 i gained yeah. 20 pounds like nothing you know i just <laughs> i grew up then and then i was like okay this 115 cut isn't working anymore right but um now i walk probably around 140 so i'm cutting about 15 pounds so uh i'm generally a small 25er and it's not too rough but uh right. so it's usually no matter what a weight cut sucks those last two three pounds are always going to be rough they're all they're never going to be fun <laughs> Yeah, that honestly, that sounds better because I know someone like a Max Holloway, man, he keeps making his way back into this, but like he can walk around upwards of like 180 sometimes. So like that's crazy to think that he can make a cut down to 145. Like, Yeah, my coach's philosophy is uh, he wants me to be focused on the fight during fight week, not focused on a weight cut, you know? Yeah, so and that, that makes the it. most sense too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like you'd, you'd, you know, you'd feel more powerful not having to cut all that weight too. Um, what's one thing that you would maybe recommend to a, a young kid that wants to get into the sport that looks up to people like you, you know, like Shevchenko, like Amanda Nunes? What, what, what was a piece of advice you, you know, you'd give them? Uh, that anyone can do it. You just got to be dedicated. You got to work yeah. hard and uh, yeah, things don't come easy. So you like Dean always uses me as an example of saying like I'm the least athletic person in the world he's like I shouldn't be in the UFC I shouldn't be where I'm at <laughs> but I'm able to do that because I, I work hard and I put my time in and uh, I make right decisions technically but like I can hardly walk on flat ground my like I'm so uncoordinated it's terrible so uh yeah you just gotta work hard and anyone can do it yeah uh, you have these great accolades next to your name in the sport. What's like, obviously I would assume winning a championship would be like, you know, something that you'd really cherish and maybe even defend the belt. But is that what's left? Is that, is that how you view like what, how you want your career to go? Uh, yeah, I want to leave a legacy. Like yeah. right now uh, you're saying I hold the most uh, submission wins for all females in the UFC. And it's like, I don't want to just set records for females. I want to set records in general. And yeah. uh, right now I'm at four submissions. I know like Charles Oliver is at 14. I'm like, that's a long way, but I'm still young. I'm only 25. So I can yeah. get those 10 under my belt. I want to start uh, setting records for everybody. 
Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about the way you fight, how you just want to sit on top of them and, and, <laughs> and punch them in the face and maybe not get hit. Do you think there's something to uh, different styles of fighting and maybe longevity of fighters? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Just, it, it, you see it with, like, heavyweights even. Just the, if they're yeah. sitting there and they're trying to bang, they have short careers because you just can only take so much uh, damage to your brain. Oh. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the heavy, the heavyweights, they kind of, like, I don't think I'd personally want to take a shot from Francis Ngannou. Like, that oh. man scares me. Yeah, and uh, my fighting style, like, I feel like people, they don't hit half as hard when they're laying on their back as they do if you're face-to-face. -face. True, <laughs> true. So, the, yeah, it, it's easy to just sit on top of people, make sure uh, I can do damage. I have gravity on my side there, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm not trying to take too much damage. I'm trying to have a long career. And uh, like I said, I don't get paid by the minute. So I want to get in and out of there as quick as possible. Sure. Well, uh, thank you so much for spending the time to, to you know, sit here and talk with us. Um, there's a really iconic photo you have on your Instagram of you holding up with the Canadian flag. It looks like post-fight. So I hope that's okay that maybe we could use that for the graphics when we go to put this out. Um, and thank you for you know honestly taking the time talking to us um i think hope i hope hopefully you get someone with a number in front of them and you show uh dana and the ufc that you deserve to be ranked because i think you do i think you got robbed big time oh thank you so much it was a pleasure talking to you tonight yeah, yeah thank you so much i appreciate it yeah take care uh, take care boom